for Australian made. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Hello everyone and welcome to our last program. Wow, I can't believe we're nearly there of Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made, look for the green and gold kangaroos. Simon O'Donnell with you here from SEN Australia and uh, Steve Harmison joining me shortly from Talk Sport in the UK. We've got a massive uh, show coming up. Well, a wash up from the World Test Championship, uh, of course, where the, the uh, Aussies uh, took out... Uh, uh, the Champions Trophy for um, for the last couple of years of Test cricket and uh, and did a fantastic job at the Oval beating India. Former Australian Test opener Chris Rogers is going to join us. Knows all about uh, playing cricket in England and Ashes cricket in England, of course. We'll hear from Ollie Pope, uh, one of the top order men uh, that England will be relying on right throughout this Ashes series of 23. And Moen Ali, who's come in for Jack. Leach uh, didn't have to have his arm twisted too much, didn't want to play any more test cricket, but um, when you put an Ashes series in front of him, he couldn't uh, he couldn't help but have a little piece of it if he can in this English 11. Talking of the Englishman, Steve Harmison from Talk Sport in the UK, uh, we remember Harmy uh, out here and in the UK, particularly uh, doing some great things during an Ashes series, and Harmy, it's hard to believe We've been chatting for the last five or six weeks. It's nearly here. It's nearly here, my friend. It is. It's like I'm like a kid at Christmas Eve. I'm desperate for (laughs) for Friday to come and I can't wait. You know, the World Test Championship just sort of wet the appetite, really, because do you know what? I thought that was a great game of Test cricket. I really did. I really enjoyed the the, the India against Australia. Um, It was a comprehensive win by Australia, um, no matter what. The Indians here. Um, it was it was a you know a, a very good test performance leading into into the Ashes, and I can't wait for Friday to come. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. I've got no idea which way it's going to go. Hmm. I really don't. I'm sitting here now, Sam. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here now thinking both teams could win five nil. I really can make an argument that both teams can win five nil because of us, uh, there's all talk about Australia's bone attack being too good for England. And this is something that England have never come across over the course of these last 13 test matches under Stokes and McCullum. But you're going, if England win the toss and bat first on what looks a flat pitch at Edgebaston, and they score five and over and blow you know, the, all the plans that Australia have got out of the water, you go, well, that's the best that Australia can throw at England. Wow, where do they go now? But then you flip that over and you go, well, if England, have, England bat first and on 30 for three because... Come in, start bowling. They've got the ball in the right area. Where do England's plans go? So you can. There's a little bit of an argument that way, but I think that the contest between the two, the pressure of Ashes cricket, as you know, is so high and so intense that there are going to be good passages. There are going to be mistakes, and I think it's going to be too close to call, and it could be three-two either way. Hopefully for England, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I want to talk to you a little more about you know where the where the right line and length is when you when you're bowling to England but bef- before we get there I I loved the World Test Championship you know, that was you know a really good match at the Oval but I, I wanted to touch on with you Harmy Australia did it in the first test in India where they didn't include Travis Head in the 11 mm. 
dire mistake, shocking mistake. To think that India didn't have Ravi Ishwan in their 11 to play in that World Test final is absolutely beyond me. Absolutely beyond me. Their top spinner can make a Test 50, has made, I think, a Test 100, fights like hell, proud Indian, and to bring, to think that side was going to be better served by a medium pace bowler than Ravi Ashwin in a World Test final bewildered me. Yeah. I think it bewildered everybody apart from Rohit Sharma and Rahul Dravid and the Indian selectors, because this is not something new. This is something happened before in England. You know, I had India have come to England before and gone, right, we only need one spinner, but because our spinner bats in the top six, we really don't want to go and disrupt the balance of our attack because we think it's going to, it's going to seem, it's going to swing, it's going to, we're going to need four seam options. So for me, I couldn't understand the, the Umesh Yadav mm. argument. I, re, I really couldn't. So, and do you know what, Simon, more than anything else for our Ashwin, I think he's a perfect, perfect character to play against Australia. My word. Because he's a fighter. He's a scrapper. Gets he'd get under face. his skin. He'd have a go. Yeah, yeah he's, he, he'd have a go. And, and if... Australia have a go back. There's a little confrontation. He can he can sort of change the course of a of the narrative of where the game's going just by his body language alone, by getting in the batsman's face. You know, we've seen him mancad in uh, IPL cricket. He don't care about anything else other than winning. I just thought it was a monumental mistake to to leave him out. At the end of the day, a 209 run win for the Australians. They they crowned the world Test champions. That can only be a positive lead in to the Ashes. To to be able to be as dominant against the so-called second best team in world cricket at Test match cricket, uh, that that's got to give the Australians plenty of confidence going into this series. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And I think when you go into big series like the Ashes, the team that goes in with you know you would say the most confidence, the most momentum with you know, everything going in the right direction leading into the series, they tend to get the rub of the green. But I'm not sure who's got the most of that at this minute in time because England are 11 wins from 13 and Australia the world 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 champions at, at Test Match Cricket. So I think that's how evenly poised that these sides are. When I look at last week, the right components are doing the right things. Bowlers put the ball in the right areas, created chances. I know there's a couple of drop catches, but there's some you know, unbelievable catches. And I, I still think Cameron's green catch was out. Anybody that's played the game will understand hmm. that the catch at third slip was out. His fingers were underneath the ball. No matter what any picture tells me, I haven't played the game. I think that's out. And the key components in that middle order are get, are, have got runs, Labashir and Smith and, and Head. And the, the, the way Head got runs... I think would encourage if I was an Australian fan because there are going to be times during these next five test matches if England do get away from Australia, i.e. the run rate and have a big score, that head is going to be so key because he's probably the one that catches that run rate up in that middle order. And to see him get 163 in that first innings, 
shows you that not only is he in good touch, his tempo was very, very good, especially for somebody who I think he's had a he's had a great last 18 months in international cricket, but he had a real struggle in England a year ago or a year and a bit ago when he was here with, with Sussex. So that would be something from a, a, a mind perception that it just gets that, you know, wrench off his back that last time I was here, I struggled for Sussex. But the first time I've gone in in a World Test Championship final, I've got over 150 runs, bring on the Ashes. I think, um, you know, from a bowling point of view, it w- was good to, to to see Australia's front liners probably, you know, just get the work out they needed. You know, Scotty Boland was Scotty Boland. He hits the top of, top of off more times than than most. And Mitchell Stark, you know, swung them around a bit, was probably a touch on the rusty side, as as I thought Pat Cummins was. And and then, um, you know, the, the off-spinner, Nathan Lyon, he just keeps on being Nathan Lyon and, and getting wickets, you know, five wickets in the test match. How, how did you see the uh, the Aussie bowlers before we head into the, that Australian batting line, in particular the top two in in Kawaja and Warner, Army? I think Kawaja and Warner would, would be a concern, if I were brutally honest, from an Australian point of view, that not so much the, because the runs that they didn't get, the, the motor dismissals that they were out, playing away from their body. You know, they're going to come up against the biggest, the best ever exponent of moving a batsman across the crease, getting them in a position to play away from their body, and that's James Anderson. So that it was the mode of dismissals more than anything else, playing far too loose outside off stump. You know, Warner in the second inch track cut half volley, and you know, I nicked it straight to, to, to behind. And so the pressure that's on David Warner, and Kawaja's been unbelievable in the last 12 months, so that would concern me a little bit. I thought the bowlers bowled, they got overs under their belt. I think Cameron Green, he could be the point of difference in this series. Mm. He really could. I think he is a, go back to 2005, we had a world-class all-rounder. We had, Australia had Shane Warne, which meant that Australia never really needed that fifth bowler. I think Cameron Green could be the, the point of difference to make that fifth bowler, bowler count in five test matches over six and a half weeks. For recovery time to get, you know, Cummins, especially Cummins, because Cummins is going to have to play all five. I think that fifth bowling option could be the, could be possibly the tipping point in the in the, the sort of bowling side of the series between the two sides. But where where Hazelwood fits in, I think he fits in at Lords for me because you can't drop Scott Bowling, even though he bowls at the top of off stump. And England enjoy that. You know, somebody that bowls same players all the time. I think England will try and take him on that on that front. And you could see England trying to sort of reverse sweep him. You can see scoop him and you can see them trying to cut him off length, pull him off length. Um I I still think Boland has to play in that first test match at Edge Bastard. It's going to be really interesting. It, you know, from a bowling point of view, and we mentioned I mentioned a little earlier, Hami, the the what what is the length? What is the line? I, I mean the length and line that Scott Boland bowls day in day out is is top of off stump. He he's one of the best exponents of it in in world cricket. He he just keeps delivering it time in time out. If you had to go to a plan B against a batting lineup that are doing things differently, like England will bring to the table, what what is that length and line to a a, a basball top order? Don't so much think it's a length in line, Simon. I think it's the field settings. 
You, you've got to think outside the box for this England team. You, you run up and bowl line and land for three slips in a gully. You could go at eight, seven, eight and over mm. because they'll try and hit, cut you off your length. They, they hit balls in areas where in a test match, it's not, you don't have conventional fielders. So I think that's what I mean by, so you can, you could run on bowl half volleys at this England team and get wickets. If you've got fielders in the right place, starve them from the boundaries, you know, cut off their scoring options. You know, you could see, you could see a team with, you know, a relatively new ball, bowl them a one slip mm. because it's not going there. Yeah. You know, Scott Bowles runs up Bowles line and length with three slips in a gully. Tim Southey did that in, in, in New Zealand. And Tim Southey's not as quick as Scott Bowling, nowhere near as quick as Scott Bowling. But Joe Root, second ball, third ball of the morning, reverse swept him over the top of third slip's head. And Tim Southey's looking in, in amazement. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> if that bowler doesn't quite go to get right plan B or get to that point where quick enough, he could be 20 off three overs and the captain's going, well, can you continue doing this? So and that's what I mean where I know Steve Smith said during the week, and he's right that this England baseball has been brilliant for Test cricket, but they haven't played against our bowling attack. You can also look at it and flip it over and say this bowling attack hasn't come against England. And if England get off to that good start, where do their plan B? And I think a lot of the plan B is more, it's not the lines and lengths you bowl. It's the fields that you set to then starve the boundaries, to then put keep that pressure on England and stop them from hitting boundaries. If they do that, then England might find a way to get themselves out. Been lots of debate uh, leading into this first Test match and the World Test Championship for that matter of, of whether it's a a Boland in the pace lineup or it's a Hazelwood in the pace lineup. I must admit I'm a I'm a Boland fan just through, through what he's done. He's staying on the park and and Josh Hazelwood is fantastic. He's he has been over the journey. He just, you know, look, his record over the last three or four years with injury, there's got to be that question mark going into a test match, particularly an Ashes test match, whether that is the right way to go, particularly with a fit Scott Boland that uh, is ready and raring to go. And, well, I'm not sure whether Scotty Boland's fully convinced that he's the man for the first test. I know he wants to be there. Whether he thinks he will be there, I'm not 100% sure, particularly with the answer he gave when he was asked what his chances are of retaining his spot for that first test at Edgbaston. I haven't even thought about it, to be honest. Um, I think, yeah, I've just got to keep doing my role and playing, trying to get, um, trying to keep taking wickets and then try and make the selector's decision as hard as possible. Do you sort of feel like you have made that decision as hard as possible? Or could you have done any more to push selection previously? Oh, hopefully. Um, yeah, I'll probably have to speak to them. Perhaps <laughs> speak to him. He's just, he, he's just a guy. He's unfazed. Just gets about it. Loves the team aspect of it. He'll do what he, what he needs to do. And uh, if his name's there, he'll come in and do what Scott Boland does, Harmy. Yeah, and it's well. I think it was a bog standard answer for our, for leading into one of the the, the biggest series that you'll have. Um, I don't so much think I've not. I've changed my mind the last few sort of days. Is I don't think it's so much Scott Bowling against Hazelwood. I think it might be Hazelwood against Stark. I think that would be the issue. And then do you have three bowlers that are sort of more line bowlers, deck bowlers? You need Mitchell Stark's variation. I'd play Hazelwood at Lords. Do you need a swing bowler at Lords? I think you could 
I think you could play three line bowlers and you know three deck bowlers at Lords, Cummins, Boland, and Hazelwood using the slope. That would be in your favour, and then that's how you. For me, that's how I would get Hazelwood into the series, mm. and then his body, Josh's body, will dictate whether he plays in tests three, four, five, or four and five, or just four. And I think because you're going to have to rotate, because you're going to have to use bowlers wisely over the course of these next six weeks and five test matches, bear in mind your captain's going to have to play at all five. Um, that's the way I'd look at it. I don't think you can drop Scott Boland. You've just won a World Test Championship final by 209 runs, which is a comprehensive win. As long as they're all fit and firing and they all feel fresh enough, I think you throw them back out at Edgebaston and try and get one up on England that would be my way of, of, of looking at it. And if I was looking to get Hazelwood in, you look at what McGrath did at Lords for a lot of years, he's probably the closest that Australia's got to a, a Glenn McGrath with the way he gets close to stumps. He bowls you know, close to off stump from a tall release point. Um, that's how I'd get Hazelwood into the series and leave him for Lords. Time now to get the latest odds from Tom Haylock from Betfair. Back or lay test cricket at Betfair. What's gambling really costing you? I hope you're excited. I am very much excited. Obviously, Australia had the warm-up. Getting the chocolates over. India, but it's all eyes on the ashes now, starting in a couple of days. Interestingly, Simon, the draw has been a big firmer at betfair.com.au. Uh, $5. There's been some footage of the pitch, and it looks pretty flat, but $5 in the weather as well at Edgebaston. There's a few showers predicted across the weekend. So praying we get full five days of play. England, $2.60. Australia, $2.40. And the draw has firmed from $6.40-ish into $5 currently around that price. For the series, Australia also very well back. They're into even money now, believe it or not, on the back of their success against India. I think they'll win the series and I'm happy to take $2, Simon. I am pretty bullish about the chances of the Aussie. You can find better odds on Test Cricket at Betfair. Play your way. What's gambling really costing? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelpline.org.au. Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo and buy authentic Australian products. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Welcome back to Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison with you. Harmy, what are your memories of Chris Rogers? Um, very difficult to get out. The more you hit him, the more he stood there and just took it and fought back at you. Um, and off the field, one of the nicest blokes you'll ever wish to meet. So going into coaching, I always felt where if you had a coach or a mentor like that, a bit like, you know, Diva, we have played a lot with Michael DiVinito. Diva went into coaching and you you got the sense with the character that there was a lot to give other people. And that's the what I got off the way Chris Rogers not only played, but was as a character and a player. I don't think we played that much against each other, did we, Bucky? I think you, you came to England just after I was getting old and fat and couldn't bowl anymore. I didn't realise this was a mutual admiration. No, no, no. This... Looking for a bit of dirt, to be fair, but I haven't got any. Chris Rogers, <laughs> welcome to Road to the I've Ashes. Got bit, I've got a bit off a golf trip, but not off the cricket field. Well, this this is brilliant, actually, um, Sod, because uh, actually on my way here, I was thinking about my um, probably my last game I ever played against Harmy. Uh and it was a T20 game. And, and obviously, T20 is not my, um, my strong point, but oh, it was 2009... Um, Durham versus Derbyshire. Uh, 
We batted first, got 175. I got 50 off 37, took Blimey. the big fella down. Um, he came on <laughs> second change. Um, and then we knocked him over and, and to add uh, insult to injury, he got a golden duck and we won. So um, that was my my last memory of, of, of Harmy. So, Drop that, Harmy. Um, and the other one, I probably should bring this one up, was the um, the Lilac Hill match. So I've gone hard at him here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. I'd already got out and I... I went and sat down and I just heard these, these cheers kept coming. Cause you bowled about a 15 ball over, didn't you? I did. I couldn't, I, I even to this day, right. Even to this day, I can't remember that. I remember, can you remember, you know, it said Lila kill everybody sitting around the yeah, boundary. Yeah. Holes, <laughs> no, side screens. no side screens. Yeah, no no side yeah. screens. Nothing. So I've gone chasing a ball and instead of going feet first, I can't go feet first into the crowd because <laughs> kids are. So I've got head first into the crowd. I bumped my head off off the rope. And obviously I concussed myself. And I, I still to this day can't remember that day. Because once I'd gone, I, I remember went off not long after that, that over. I lay down, I was sick. And I, and I mean, I had no idea what, what was going on. But I was a young man wanting to try and impress, me, impress the team. And um, I impressed Australia more than I did press <laughs> impress England, if I if I remember right that that day. They were they were interesting games though, Bucky, because he's always chucked in a, a couple of older men, older fellas to to go. Well, if if the touring team beats you, it don't matter. Yeah. And then there's like some free hit, wasn't it? Yeah. Belting us everywhere after we just got off a plane. Well, I, I'm being a bit harsh because I actually I was doing a bit of coaching this morning and I wanted one of the the um, our young openers to, to have a look at, at Justin Langer and, and, and how he, he used to stay on safe side on so much. And I clicked onto the 2005 ashes, one of the, you know, the greatest series of all time. And, and there you were, Harmy Bowen, unbelievably, um, kept beating his outside edge from, from memory. So, um, yeah, that, I'm sure that they're pretty good memories for you. They're always good memories. So, I mean, they're always good memories when it's a good contest. And I think that's, Probably the biggest thing I'll say about this contest is it's going to be some that that Ashes battle between bat and ball was a ridiculous contest, and I think I think we're in for for that contest again. And from an Englishman Englishman's point of view, you know that bowling attack that Australia have got could have that same contest that, that the context of the series. Like twenty five Test matches in your career, three Ashes series over that journey of twenty five Test matches. Were they the test matches that stood out most to you over over your test match cricket journey? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I had a lot of history in England as well, playing county cricket. So um, two of those Ashes series were in England. So um, <clears throat> I had a lot of familiarity with, with, with the place and a lot of, you know, good relationships with, with people over there. So I always, you know, used to always have those messages from, from UK friends going, I hope England win wins, but I hope you do well. So it was, um, it was, it was always a really, you know, it was a really enjoyable, uh, contest versus, versus England. Cause the other thing is that the intensity that comes with that, with that series is, is second to none. I mean, I never played the, the test series in, in India against India. So I can't compare that. Um, I'd imagine that that's uh, on an equal footing, but, um, but yeah, playing those those Ashes series, particularly, I really enjoyed those ones in England because of the, the when you play the crowds, they, while not so big, they they feel like they're almost on top of you, and you can hear almost every comment people are saying. 
um, which is always a bit, bit of humour. But, um, yeah, I, I love those experiences. We, we had Marcus Harris on a couple of shows back uh, with Steve and I, and, and I asked him the difference of batting in Australia to batting in the UK. I'll be up front. I wasn't happy with his answer. Can you tell me a little? I, I thought there was he there was more to it, but Marcus was pretty. Yeah, I heard pretty, what he said. Yeah, pretty simple in, in the way he explained yeah. how to bat, and I thought it was a bit more tricky than that, for want of a better way of putting it. How did you find batting at home here in Australia to batting in the UK? No, I I, I heard what he said. He he was trying to say you play straight, but you score square. So you're still trying to you know be as good as you can defensively, give it the full face, but. I can equate it to playing like playing big spin. When you play big spin, you're, um, if you look at your wagon wheels, you're we scoring shots. <laughs> well, sometimes. But <laughs> your scoring shots go really, really square, and it's hard to hit straight. So you're, you're almost going with the, the spin. And it's the same because the, the, of the movement of the Duke's ball. Um, it's really hard to, to kind of hit straight back down at it rather than – you're trying to play later, so you're almost adjusting your hands at the last second mm. um, and, and go in with the ball. So, you know, if it's swinging away, you're kind of trying to go towards more cover point, and if it's swinging in, go towards more, more square legs. So w- one of the best innings I've ever seen um, was, was Kumar Sangakara's uh, uh, over at Lords when he got 100. And if you look at his wagon wheel, it, it's just, you know, it's almost exclusively Sweet. through um, against the quicks, uh, uh, through cover point, you know, backward point and, and, and square leg. So you've, it just means you're playing later because you're letting the ball just come that fraction further and then go. When, it, when, it's, when there's no swing, nothing, you can, you can actually back your hands and just hit back straight through the line. And the same when it doesn't spin. So, but that's the key point, isn't it? The, the <clears throat> letting the ball come to you more than you reaching towards the ball. Yeah. You you push out over there and um and there's a good chance you're going to you're going to edge it. And and the other thing is if you're playing later and you're kind of playing a bit more with that angled bat, you know, it's angled back towards, you know, the, the um the keeper or whatever, but um if you do edge it, it it's it's hopefully it's going to go down and not not carry to the to the slips. Okay. Well, yeah, but more a bit more detail. Yeah, no no no. I, I... I think Marcus probably said exactly the same thing. The the bit that's just made even more sense to me then is letting that ball come to you. Yeah. You know, so often here we we get on that front foot and not reach for it, but we'll play further out in front of our body in Australia than what we will in the UK. For the mere fact we're hitting straighter in Australia, you're playing with more of the bat. Yeah. There you're playing more with your with your hands and you. You know we buy a we buy all of a bat. You should. You know I always used to say we use the whole face. <laughs> But, I certainly did, yeah. But you're quite right. In, in in England, you're letting that come on and you just go with it that little bit. So you find you are yep. running the ball more than hitting the ball with a full face. Yep. It's, it's it the same sense. play in reverse swing. You, you you rarely see, when it's reverse swing, you rarely see a thumping straight drive or an extra cover drive. It'll be kind of squirting out towards towards um, deep point or you're kind of working it towards fine leg, that that kind of stuff. So it's it's a similar concept. And Bucky, you talk about you know opening a bat in England. There's two experienced openers at the top. There's been question marks whether how long they've got to go at the top. How important is experience batting in England when you come over to England and you first get going? And I'm, you know, we've mentioned the name there, Marcus Harris, who's got runs already in county cricket. Seen a couple of dismissals, which I think with alarm bells, especially the, the second innings of Warner and Kawaja, doing exactly opposite what you've just said. 
You've got Jimmy Anderson coming against you. How tempted would you be to have somebody that's experienced a lot of cricket in England at the top of the order if in the first test match um, England get one over and get Smith and Labashin in early? Uh, yeah, I mean, knowing Andrew McDonnell as well, uh, I think he'll back the, the senior players in to, to, to work it out, to figure it out. I mean, plus they have a lot of experience over there as well. So, um, you know, even if you look at the, the, the backup, um, top order um, in, in Harris and Renshaw. I think, you know, those selections were a lot to do with the fact that they have played so much over there. And, and there's just so many little uh, intricate uh, learnings that you get from playing county cricket that um, until you go over and, and, and experience, um, it, it's really difficult. You know, so I look at kind of someone like Sam Whiteman. Uh, I think he's at Northampton, is Northampton or um, one of those ones. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's, he's gone from the whacker to go playing at Wantage Road. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a different world in, in some respects. So um, it, it's the, just the kind of learnings you get over there will do him that the mountain of good. And, and, and for the next time he's over there, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll set him in good stead. Like, how, how difficult is it? So, so often we say, you know, you've got to know where your off stump is. Is it different to know where your off stump is in the UK to knowing where it is in Australia because that ball does move more? Um, I actually think you you want to know where your leg stump is in um, in England. I know that's a bit of a weird concept, but I always felt um, with the Duke sport, it almost, particularly when I first went over there, it was almost like there was a magnet in my knee roll and the ball would just kind of dart at it. And almost like it would gather pace um, off the pitch and, and, and dart at your knee roll. And, you know, I was getting LB kind of falling over because once again, I came from the Wacker where you try and get... Um, across into the line and play in the line of your eyes. And over there, you, you probably want to stay on the leg side of the ball, get your pads out of the way and, and back your hands um, a bit more. So, um, yeah, I felt there was a a, a, um, a magnet on my knee roll. So I was trying to get, I was trying to go more to the leg side, get my pads out of the way, mm. use my hands. And either if I, if I edged it, and I was good enough with my technique, it wouldn't, it wouldn't carry or they'd have to carry it. And who wants to carry it? Sorry, they'd have to catch. And who wants to carry catch a Duke's ball in um, in April in England? So, yeah, <laughs> it was that that that's that. It, I think it's very different. Whereas, yeah, in Australia, you probably play a bit more in line with the eyes. Over there, you try and play a little bit more on the leg side of it. Wow. No, we've had some. We got some technical points. Let's have a bit of fun now. Before you talk about. It. You know, we've given them all. They know what they're doing now. We know what they're doing now. Let's have a bit of fun. What does the ashes mean? What does the ashes mean to Chris Rogers? You played a lot of cricket in England, so you sampled it before you played the Ashes in England. You know, unbelievable series at home, thirteen, fourteen. So, what does the ashes mean to you? Uh I think as an opening bat, it was it was the pinnacle. You know, it was, it was, it was probably where you can judge yourself, um, over there, but, but also there's the history and tradition, you know, you knew you were something of, of uh, a part of something incredibly special. Um, and you know, I, I've watched so many series, Ashes series and, 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 you know, I've been glued to the, the, the TV, um, you know, back probably, uh, 93 was, you know, was, was probably the one that kind of you know, stood out for me for, you know, from, uh, from so many points and I really cricket kind of even took off even more for me. 
2005, you know, that, that series felt like it was almost in fast forward. Um, and then, then getting to play in, in 2013, um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's just an honor to be a part of. And, um, and in intensity, you, you, it's hard to recreate because I always say too, the other thing about when you, when you go over to, in, um, and play in Ashes in, in England, it's the, the game doesn't start at 11 o'clock or till 10 30. It starts when you when you walk out to go to breakfast because there's all the support all the Aussie supporters are staying in the same hotel, so you almost you're switched on from you know it's almost a, a performance from when you kind of walk into bre- breakfast and you're on and everyone's talking about the game and and you know it's gone through your head so they they were draining days but um uh, it was like a roller coaster the the, the 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 tough days were super hard the great days the best days ever so yeah that's. Probably the way I'd explain it. But tell us about Scott Boland. <clears throat> he looks to me as an outsider. I don't know him well, but he's a coach's dream. You, you just, every time the ball is thrown to him, you know exactly what you're going to get. His humility just amazes me that you know, I'll go wherever you tell me to go. If you want me to play, I'll play. If you don't want me to play, I'll do my best off field to make sure that the team does well. Is that who he is? Um. In a nutshell, that that's exactly who he is. He's he's um, he's a very humble, quietly spoken man, um, but also there's a streak in him. Um, I, I remember we'd <clears throat> we'd had a chat earlier in the season about not playing a, a you know, maybe in all the one day games for Victoria, um, and this was kind of COVID times, and 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 we got to a period we got to the back end of the season we were effectively playing three months of cricket within two months. Um, and this is when he was, you know, he was in his own mind, he was pushing for the Australian side. Um, and, you know, I called him out, called him up to say, look, we're, we're not, we're going to pick you in that, um, in, in the one day come, coming up. And wow, we, you know, he, he, he let, you know, he let me know he was very disappointed and, and, and had to get him in to kind of explain the logic about, you know, how much is he bowling? How much could he potentially bowl? And in the end, he, he saw where we were coming from. Um, but I remember that there was this kind of fierce competitive streak um, and pride in 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 what he does, and and you see that with how he <clears throat> how he um, he performs and prepares. So one of the things Mickey Lewis, the bowling coach, when I first got to Victoria, he said, "Watch this." He said, "Scotty Bowling in every break, so you know every break or before the day's play, he'll be out there bowling balls, um, making sure he's ready to go." and not everyone does that, that and, and Harmy, you, you know that. It's, mate, it's hard. Sometimes you've just had lunch. It's hard to get yourself. Or you've been out there for a session, on it's it's hard to get yourself out and 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 go and prepare right for the next session, isn't it? You know, especially if you've had three or four sessions in the in the dirt. Um, but he'll never miss it. He's just wow. attention to detail is is off the charts. Um, and as for yeah, he's a captain's dream because. So even if he wasn't going to open the bowling after he'd still lunch, do it. He'd, he'd just go out there for that Sorry. last 10 minutes to just make sure that everything was operating correctly. So he doesn't, in a lot of words, he leads completely by his actions. So all the young guys of Victoria, they just, they absolutely worship the ground he walks on because, you know, that they see he goes out and he does everything um, that needs to be done and, and they follow. Simon, you're you talking to a guy who tried to bowl the last, make sure he got the last two overs before lunch so he could have three at lunch. But he didn't have to bowl for 40 minutes after lunch. So that was my philosophy of trying to bowl after that. But yeah. just just a, a sort of another one of your experiences of England and your coach's head on. Yeah. 
five test matches, six and a half weeks, that's a grueling schedule. Yep. You know, one of your bowlers has got to play all five in Pat Cummins. He's got two because he's captain. It's not so much how do you get Josh Chaselwood into the side, but if you're Andrew McDonald, do you pick bowlers for different grounds? Because you know more than anything else. Lord Slope, Headingley might be overcast, bouncy pitcher, Old Trafford possibly, with you don't know what you're going to get at the Oval if it's been dry. Do you then try and predict which bowling attack you want so you know you've got all bases covered? Uh, yeah, you'd, you'd look at those those pitches, I think, and you'd, you know, you'd figure out which of the ones are going to seem, which ones are going to be a bit flatter. Um, Lord Slope is going to play, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd almost, Starkey would be one of the first picked at Lords because I think a left armour swinging down that slope is a nightmare from my experiences. Um, so little things like that, you'd, you'd be, you'd be definitely kind of looking at your bowling roster and, and saying, okay, well, who fits in where, um, best. Who fits in right now? <clears throat> Hazelwood or Boland in the first test match? Um, I think that they'll they'll probably back in what they've got. Um, keep Josh just ready to go. Um, give him maybe another week of, of bowling, um, and then you know maybe he'll play the back four. You just you just never know um, with that. But he's also he's you know maybe he's not even capable of that. So maybe three out of three out of the last four he he'll, he'll play. So. Um, that would be my gut. I, I, I don't know if, if the bowlers have pulled up well, they're feeling okay. Um, I, I think that they might go in with a, with a similar kind of attack. Prediction? <clears throat> uh, ah, oh, five nil. Easy. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, I, th- I, it's a, it's a really, really hard one to pick and, and, um, I'm not going to say, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, um, uh, oh, you know, England have to do it against our tackle, although I just did. But um, it's, it's, it's just going to be fascinating to see, um, you know, how much, uh, how aggressive they, England are. And I hope they, they, you know, they come all guns blazing. It's going to make for an amazing contest. Mm. I just, Bucky, I just want to ask you one quick final one on your coach's hat on. Talking about the baseball stuff. Has that changed the way you look at coaching because of the way England have basically they've they've reinf- you know they've, they've just sort of reinvented the wheel of Test match batting, haven't they? Or longer format batting, four day batting. Uh, it, it has actually. Um, I mean, I, you know, I would have been. I, I look, I look at that even from my own experiences and think, how could you bat like that? Like I, I wouldn't have averaged fifteen, but um, batting like that, but. But it's clear that that some players are capable of that style, and that actually suits them. You know, with the, with the even the mental side of the game, it it it, it frees them up. Um, it gives them clarity about what they're doing. A bit like Darren Lehman telling um, Mitch Johnson to bowl, you know, bounces every ball at the tail kind of thing, and it, it gave him real clarity. So for this, um, I'm not saying that necessarily did happen. I just say maybe it did. But um, <laughs> and then. Um, but uh, it's it's it was a I think it's given them a lot of a lot of clarity about that and so for us um, Matt Short's been the one you know he's he's been tinkering and with different things a lot of his career and then it, it was just more of a case of you know go out look at the gaps in the field and I'm just going to try and score runs and um, and uh, and that seems to have given him a lot of clarity. Um. If I uh, if I if I ask you a question without notes, because I'm going to, if, 
Is it about your son? No, no, it's not about my son. No, no it's not about my son. That'll come later on. We're having a beer or something. Right. Um, if I asked you what Steve Harmison's top score was in oh, test wow. cricket, what would you say it is? Without Googling it, without, you know, no, no help from you know, AI, nothing. Why do I f- have a feeling he's got a 50? Would I be way what? off? How could you not even think off. he's got a 50? Why? I don't. You're not. You're not well. 49. Can you believe he's 49. his highest yeah, test score I, yeah. is 49? He didn't know who, what who end was, to hold. Who was that against? I, I, I had a it feeling. It was against Africa. Right. I was disgusted. Africa Those bowlers never Hong played Kong. again. Right. Exactly. It was, <laughs> it was against Africa. <laughs> Africa at the Oval when Monty ran me out. Who batted but 11? Then, I was. Yeah, Mao Monty batted eleven. Yeah, you know, I was, you know, <laughs> even even I could get in front of that one. Um, but I'll throw one back at you. Yeah. What was Sam O'Donnell's highest score? Oh wow. Um. Well, fifty didn't come to mind straight away. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's pass on that. It was forty-eight. Now I'm being silly. Oh, right, six exactly. weeks. Okay. Looking at this big mug right. in England, thinking, how did he get a, an extra? How did he have a higher test score than I did? I at least you knew, you hey, know, the, when there was rubber on the end of the handle, you, that's where you gripped it. Yeah, he wouldn't have known. The outside edge comes in handy yeah. sometimes. So. Oh, seriously, <laughs> enough's enough. Buck, I've had enough of you now. All right, well, I'll catch you on a more a social level at some stage. I look forward. But to it. thank you for coming in. Pleasure. Brilliant. Um, great to see Absolutely. you. Looking fit as usual. Enjoy the series. Enjoy your commentary during the summer with uh, with our mob, and enjoy your coaching with Victoria. Thanks very much. Thanks, Emily. It's been um... good. Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo and buy authentic Australian products. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Welcome back to Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. Simon O'Donnell in the studios here at SEN in Melbourne and across uh, the other side of the globe. Steve Harmison joining us from Talk Sport in the UK. Well, the big talk this week has been Moen Ali. Um, he's coming back into this test lineup for England after announcing his retirement. Um, Jack Leach opened up an opportunity and there wasn't a youngster to take it, so he had to be talked back into it, Moen Ali, to say, do you want to take the Aussies on in the Ashes? Well, he wanted to, and this is what he had to say earlier in the week. Stokesy messaged me. Uh, with a question mark, Ashes, and I, I, I didn't hear the news of Leachy at the time, and I just went LOL, thinking he's taking a mick, and then uh, yeah, the news came through, and then I had a chat with him, and then yeah, that's it. The fact that it's the Ashes, and it's such a big, big series, and um, the exciting cricket the guys have been playing, I think this is a kind of era I would have loved while I was playing, and to be part of it would be amazing. He's got all the things that uh, will contribute to a successful uh, baseball turnaround for him because he, he loves to play shots and, and get on with it, Harmy. Um, he's had time away from Test cricket, but he's still been playing first-class cricket. So he's not coming in uh, off the back of no cricket at all. No, the, the, the thing from Moen was always – it's always been with Mo at the back end of his career, especially in the longer format of the game, was does he want to play – has he got the hunger for it and the drive for it to, to still be involved in playing? And there's a couple of things. And I know there's a, there's a school of, of thought going, why are we picking somebody who 
He's got a modest average against Australia with both bat and ball. Why are we picking somebody who has already said he doesn't want to play test cricket? I think when you look deep into that, I don't think that's exactly true. I think Mo and Ali just got sick of COVID bubbles. He got sick of being you know, the, being in the, in the bubble for franchise cricket and then being in the bubble because he was a man in demand. And he was unlucky a little bit. He was in a taxi with Chris Wokes going to Sri Lanka. So he had to, and Chris Wokes got COVID. So you had to sit that, start the Sri Lanka trip out. Then India wasn't the greatest tours at all because of the bubbles. And then he got asked to go to Pakistan when McCullum and Stokes. And he had just come off the back of being in franchise bubbles. And he just, he basically said, look, I, I can't do them anymore. So that wasn't him saying, I don't want to play test cricket and I don't want to play for you. It was just, I've had enough of the restrictions in mm. the way that life is at the moment. There's more important things in life. Now, well, he sleeps in his own bed now. He can now get away from, you know, the, the, that aspect of it. And I think it's a no-brainer. We didn't have any other choice, I didn't think. Liam Dawson, Hampshire, would have been chucking him into a test debut. You give two debut, debutants, um, Will Jackson, Ryan Ahmed, two very, very young bowlers, to put them into an Ashes, I thought would be unfair. So my only way, well, sorry, not my only way, but the, the only way I looked at it was if Mo and Ali doesn't come back and play, then England would have to play four seamers in the first test match. Um, but Joe Mo and Root Ali... Being the give, spinner. Yeah, over playing a spinner. But that would put a lot of pressure on Joe Root and I wouldn't like to do that. So now Moen said he's playing. He gives you that little bit extra X factor at number eight coming in behind Johnny Bairstow. Um, And he's, he's a good enough off spinner to, to try and hold the game. Um, so for me, it was a no-brainer. I'm coming back. Been really impressed with the form of Ollie Pope. He, he, it took him a while to cement his place in this England lineup, but he looks like you know the top order. Uh, he fits very comfortably there now. And prior to or on the eve of this first Test match uh, against Australia, he spoke with Talk Sports Scott Taylor um, about what may happen at Edgbaston and what his expectations are. We go into every series trying to win every series, and that's no different now. Uh, obviously, just when you're playing against Australia, you know there's a bit there's a bit more on it. There's a few more faces watching, and it's important for us to try and sort of forget that. And we we all appreciate the Ashes, and we know exactly how much it means to to Eng England cricketers and Australian cricketers and the fans. So, but that that doesn't. We're going to try and sort of play in the same manner, prepare in the same manner, and then hopefully by the end of it, we can really, really sort of be happy with where we're at and hopefully yeah, win, win the Ashes, of course. Mm. It was a tough time last time down under in your first Ashes series. What do you think you've learned from that as a player moving forward to this this series? Yeah, I think I've become a better player. That was a good sort of turning point for me, I think, in my career. It was a, sort of shot me back down to earth a little bit. I sort of, I, it was a tough series. Obviously a very good side out there, but I feel like I didn't give my best account of myself. I tried to sort of tinker with my technique too much during the series and and, uh, and probably let the sort of occasion of an Ashes get to me a bit too much, was too focused on other things, not just the small, simple things. So I think that's probably my big learning points. And yeah, I feel, like I said, I feel like I'm a better cricketer than I used to be uh, and ready for, hopefully ready to deal deal with this challenge. Is it more so off the field as well, the expectation? Because when you first came into the side, there was a lot of people saying you're going to play 100 tests for England batting free. I can't imagine that must have been quite hard to deal with that expectation. Yeah, it's probably just that extra little bit of pressure for me. Uh, it wasn't a pressure because I agreed and I felt like I could do that. But I was like, why am I not scoring my runs? And 
probably just yeah i think it takes a while to learn test cricket i think for some sometimes and there's not there's not many young cricketers who come in at the age of 20 21 22 and just crack it straight away you go you're going to go through ups and downs in your career and i'm i'm playing good at the moment playing some nice cricket over the last year and hopefully i can continue that and there's going to come a time where i'm like oh man just need to find that form again so i think it's just important to just try and stay level as you can and just try and cash in when you're really playing well just a couple more what does the ashes mean to you i imagine your first series might have been 05 or 09 yeah i mean it's it's the it's the pinnacle for me i think test cricket's the pinnacle uh and an ashes cricket there's obviously just that bit extra and it's so special being able to put on an england shirt turning up to lords on a, on a sunny day any of these grounds and seeing people roll in and it's just such an honor to play for england especially in this format of the game um so i think firstly that's an, that's obviously very special in itself and then yeah that extra extra bit uh, of of oh this is an ashes series just gives you that extra bit of buzz about it so now there's obviously so much history behind it and just so much excitement around the group going forward and just finally there's a lot of talk about ben's knee if if the worst were to happen how excited would you be by the challenge of captaining in an ashes yeah absolutely i mean fingers crossed his knee's all good and he stays in the park but if 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 required then i feel confident and that ready enough to sort of get be prepared to to do a good job for for him and and the, and the team. I've watched him closely over the last sort of year or so and and look at how he sets fields and all this kind of thing. So I think yeah, hopefully if if it does get to it, then yeah, no, I'll be I'll be ready. It'll be a big honour. Um, but yeah, like I said, fingers crossed, he's all good. There's Ollie Pope there on the road to the Ashes and uh, Hummy. Look, he, he's obviously grown up as a as a, as a Test cricketer. Um, the one thing that stood out to me and what he said there is, you know, so often we, we start thinking about all these technical things when we're playing against you know, really tough opposition. The key to it all is, is keeping it simple. Yeah, that's what he's done. He's gone back to keep getting it back to it simple. He's gone back sort of not leg side technique, but he's gone back on to sort of middle stump where in Australia he was battling off stump. He's like, he's like a cat in hot tin roof. He just looked all at sea. I thought he had roller skates on when he was batting in you know, the the back end of the summer and then into the, the the ashes the last time. So, but that comes with learning. He's just a young. He's still a young man. He still looks as though he's. I think he's. I think he's just started shaving. So he's he's he's, <laughs> he's still a, a relatively young man. And when he says he's relaxed, I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't stop smiling. I'd be racked if if something happened to Ben and I, I had to England captain. Oh, I'll tell you what, I like to look, see the look on his face when he does have to, <clears throat> the responsibility of captain in an Ashes series. But I, I love Holly Pope. I think he's got the right temperament, the right character. Um, he's a little cheeky chappy. And I think he's he's learned from adversity, which is not a bad thing to have in your armory, that you have had a bit of a bad time, but you can put it to one side and learn from it and come out a better player for it. Um, and he's going to be massive for England in in this series because when you look at, for me, where the batting conundrums could go bouncing either side, Smith-Labashian, three and four, Pope-Root, three and four for England, that could be that could be huge, especially if both top orders, who are you know, relatively under pressure, if they don't fire. Mm. A couple of things before we, uh, we, we take a break. Uh, any... Or Ollie Pope mentioned, you know, Ben Stokes and and um, his ability to get right through the series. Do you have any issues there? Are you, you happy the way he'll take the field at at Edgbaston, um for the first ball of the Ashes in less than twenty four hours? 
yeah, I think he'd be. He's not going to be fine because he's got a he's got a bad knee. But I don't think he's in a worse position as he was this time last summer when he got through that. I've always made the joke that Ben Stokes has got you know before the last summer he had about a thousand overs left in his Test career, and it was like you've got to use them wisely, Ben. And I think he's now down to about seven hundred and fifty. And I think that's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to use the overs he bowls wisely so he can, you're not going to see him bowl every day, but I think you'll see him bowl whenever he needs to bowl where his team requires. Um, and he's going to be, have to be smart. I've got no doubt Ben Stokes will still be playing cricket for England at the Oval come the end, whichever way it goes, whether the win or the lose. Um, I, and I think, you know, when it comes to you know, the character of Ben Stokes, knowing him as I do, um, he will fight everything. He will go on the field one-legged if need be to make sure he's still captain in the England cricket team. I think England have set themselves for a bowling f- with four and a half bowlers with as, as opposed to Australia bowling with five very, very good bowling options, whichever way they go. Okay, Stokes is obviously part of that bowling lineup when he can. Who are the other four? For the first test, I think Broad just misses out. I, I, I don't see how... You can get broad in the side without playing Ollie Robinson. And I think Ollie Robinson averaging 22 in test cricket, 20 in first-class cricket in decent form this summer. I think he just shades it over Stuart Broad, which would be which would raise eyebrows, especially when you go Warner being the, the sort of big, I think the big get get for, for England. Can we get at Warner early? Can we knock him over? Can we expose the, the, the sort of three, four and five? But I think Anderson, Robinson are a must. And I think you have to play Mark Wood. You know, you have to play Pierce, especially if you haven't got that sort of, you're not sure on the spinner as well. So for me, you have to play. I don't think England can go in with three 78 mile an hour bowlers mm. um, against an Australian side. What looks like a flat pitcher, Edge Baston. And if the sun comes out and you've got three bowlers, very, very similar Pierce. I think you know, Australia would then would fancy their chances. So for me, Mark Wood has to play. So Anderson, Robinson, Wood, Moen Ali, and a little bit of Stokes would be my five, four and a half bowling options. From the bowling lineup to the batting lineup, do you do you see England under Brendan McCallum sacrificing any way or playing any differently to what they have in the in the last twelve months? Do you think it doesn't matter what attack they go out and play the way they've become accustomed over? The, the period that he's been the coach? I can see England going out and playing exactly the same way. The pressure that comes with the Ashes, let's see how that rests on the shoulders of Duckett when he goes out first. Um, Pope coming in at three. We are Brooke coming in at five. You've got your you've got your bankers in in Root and Stokes, Bairstow. Um, but if England can come out and knock Australia off their length, like they did with Kagisa Rabada and Onrik Nokia at 90 plus mile an hour, like they did with Mohammed Shami for India, again, one of the top quality bowlers, Pakistan and then Saudi in in uh, in Wagner in, in New Zealand. If England can knock Australia off their length and have them scratching their heads come tea time on day one if they bat first, then all of a sudden I think there'll be a, a, a wow moment in the series that we've got one hell of a contest on. Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo and buy authentic Australian products. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison.
Welcome back to Road to the Ashes for Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroos. Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison with you. Harmy, prediction time on the eve of the first test match. Uh, who wins and why? I'm going to go England 3-2. Um, I think it's going to be a close series. I said at the top of the show, I could make argument that both sides could win 5-0 because if England continue to play this basketball way of hitting bowlers off their length, scoring round the ground 360. If they can do that in the first test match, then all this, wow, we've not done it against our bone attack. Australia, for me, is the be- have the best bone attack in world cricket at the minute. And if all of a sudden England are 350 for three, 350 for four at lunchtime on day, uh, tea time on day one, having just really gone hard at it, you scratch your head and go, well, if this is the best Australia have got to offer, wow, where do they go from here? And then you flip that over and it could happen, a bit like the Steve Smith, kind of do it against our bowling attack. If the common stock in Boland blow England's top order away and England are, you know, 50 for five at lunchtime on day one, the consequences of that for me from an England's confidence point of view Will be will be dented. England will still come hard at it, but if all of a sudden the series starts going on and the Australian bowling attack can do what they can do, then you go and wow, where do do England change their mindset? Do they change their plans? Do they change a hell of a lot of things? Like we always see many times before during the nineties and the, the early two thousands with England against the likes of Warren and McGrath. Um, then you can see Australia winning five, you know, the majority of the test matches. But I, I think with the pressure that's on, two sides evenly matched, I think it's going to be a great contest. And I'm going to back my boys 3-2. Well, I'm uh, I'm not favouring either side. I'm going with uh, a two-all level end of the series. I'm going, with a, I'm going with a washout at Henningley. <laughs> only, only time I've ever been to Yorkshire, it's been pissing down, and I expect it to be exactly the same. So wash out Headingley, and to all, that's where we're going to end up. Yeah. I, I, I can see I can see four day test matches, mm. five four day. I really can. And so if the weather stays, which the forecast quite good for the long term, I can't see games going into day five. I really can't. And if they do, and the sun's out, then. I think then that brings Australia into play because I think the point of difference in this this series, possibly the fifth bowler in Cameron Green, but if the dry if it's dry and it and it and it stays and it goes to the to the latter part, then Australia have got a world class spinner, and that could be the point of difference if the game goes in a long period of time, because no matter how what England plans have been against spin in the past. Nathan Lyon is a world-class spinner and he still performs at the highest level under immense pressure. So that, if it goes into day five, then I think Australia are now more in the contest. Most runs? I'm going to go Joe Root is the most runs. Of course you are. The obvious. Obvious. Obvious, yes. But I think England need their, I think England need their talisman batter to score more runs than Labashian and Smith because I think if Labashian and Smith score at a high you know, at a high rate then I'm not sure we've got two that can can do that 
So that means our best is going to have to outscore them too. And I think that would be Joe Root. So for me, for England to win, Joe Root's going to have to have a big player of the series. I think Travis Head's going to have a blinder, particularly coming off his, his 100 to give him that confidence um, with what he did at the Oval against India in the World Test Championship. So from a most runs point of view, I'm going to go with uh, my man, Travis Head. Most wickets, Army? Pat Cummins for the most wickets. I think he's probably one of the only bowlers that's going to play all five, other than Nathan Lyon. Um, and I think, for me, he's still he's the best bowler in world cricket from a seam bowler's point of view. Um, but I'm intrigued to see how he goes body off the back of the World Test Championship and then these five. And mentally, if... England do get on top. If England get on top, not only has Pat Cummins got a bowl 22, 23 overs in a in a, in a in a in an innings, he's got to marshal what potential carnage England could throw at Australia, which could be four, five, six and over during a, a, a small passage or a large passage of play. That mentally could just have an effect on the Australia captain. But if he gets it right, for me, he's the best bowler in this series and he's going to one that's going to play all five. So I'll go with Pat Cummins. I'm tipping I'm a draw here as well. Most wickets at the end of the series. Mitchell Stark and Ollie Robinson, I think they'll both um, have somewhere probably about you know, 31 to 32 wickets each. That's what I'm predicting. Yeah. So there you go. Stark and Robinson as my leading bowlers of the Ashes series of 23. The player of the series, the all-important player of the series, the person that could be decisive here in his side winning or losing. Who's that for you, Hami? Um, the former England captain who had an absolute rough ride, you know, the last Ashes series. I think he'll want to put everything like that right. And I think he will be the man of the player of the series, and that would be Joe Root. And I think England, if they want to win, they're going to have to have somebody to hold them all together. And for me, Joe Root, since Ben Stokes has took over the captaincy, he's had a little bit of a new lease of life. He's got that twinkle back in his eye, that cheeky chappy smile again. <laughs> so for me, for England to win 3-2, my man Joe Root's going to have to be player of the series. I'm going with Alex Carey. The reason I'm going with that, because I think Stark will get a lot of the guys caught behind the wicket. Yeah. As Bucky Rogers has said to us tonight, trying to play a little bit late, they're pushing forward a bit, bang. I think that brings him in from a fielding perspective and, and taking a lot of catches. And as long as he locks that reverse sweep away, I think he's been batting brilliantly well over the last six months. And I think it, it, he'll know what to do here in the UK. He knows what his test match um, protocol is to take out into the middle, and I think he's going to make a lot of really valuable runs. So there you go. I think uh, Alex Carey is going to be the one, and I'd be very surprised if we got any of those right, Harmy. But it's been a <laughs> hell of a good time the last five or six weeks chatting to you on the road to the Ashes. I wish you well. I wish uh, your team well um, because it's been uh, a hell of a lot of fun. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed working. I hope everybody in Australia has enjoyed listening to me as much as they enjoyed watching me bowl in Australia because <laughs> it was an absolute shower. So on that, I just wish everybody a great Ashes series, whether it's the middle of the night or you get up to watch the highlights, the one thing that will be 
totally evident is that this is going to be two colossal sides going head to head like we've done over the last few weeks, Simon, and make the best team win. Yep, certainly is. I agree with those sentiments completely. May the best team win. Thanks, of course, to Australian Made for their support. To Scotty Taylor, Jonathan Norman over there from TalkSport, to Julian Marcus and Mitch Scott here at SEN. The Ashes, of course, they start, fr- they start Friday. You'll hear every ball on SEN and the SEN app. This has been Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made. Enjoy the series. We'll catch you next time.